Oh, okay. <laughs> You're listening, listening to Hold That Thought. From Arts and Sciences at Washington University in St. Louis. Thanks for listening to Hold That Thought. I'm Claire Navarro. To continue our series on language, we have the chance to hear from Rebecca Trayman. So I'm Becky Trayman. I'm a professor here in psychology and arts and sciences. Dr. Trayman heads the Reading and Language Lab here at Washington University in St. Louis, where she and her colleagues investigate fundamental questions about language and literacy. We're interested basically in how children learn how to read and spell Um, And that's a big question right there, is certainly some children have difficulty doing that. Basically, the idea is that by studying how people learn to read and spell, the team will more fully understand what the stumbling blocks are and how parents and teachers can help children overcome those obstacles. So let's jump into the actual research. In collaboration with the University of Chicago, Trayman has been investigating questions about how children start to acquire reading and writing skills in the earliest years of life. The University of Chicago team gathered data for the project by regularly visiting 64 families, starting when the children in the families were 14 months old. For the first few years, they evaluated the children every four months, and then once the kids were in school, the visits went down to once a year. This went on for 10 years. So the idea is to get a lot of information about these children's uh, language development, about how their parents talk with them at home, and to be able to look at relationships between these early home experiences and the children's later uh, success in school. Trayman contributed to this experiment by looking at what is sometimes called the home literacy environment. So do parents read to their kids? Do they talk to their kids even just as they're washing dishes or something about letters of the alphabet? All of these kinds of things, they may be really quite informal, um, but this may be really an important part of children's uh, home literacy experiences. And she's had some very interesting findings. For example, when you think of parents talking to their kids about the alphabet, you might think A is for apple, B is for butterfly, and so on. But though kids and parents do spend a lot of time with the ABCs, Trayman and her collaborators have found that these are not the only important letters when it comes to a child's home literacy environment. One of the letters that parents talk to their kids most about, starting from when the kids are really young, is the first letter of their name. So like, if your name is John, J is the letter that you hear a lot. Uh, Even though, you know, overall in English words, J isn't that common. And we have some interesting preliminary evidence that parents who do that tend to have kids who do better in reading when they get into kindergarten. And it seems that it's not so much, you know, talk about letters in general, but sort of getting into letters by focusing on this letter that really means something to the child seems to be playing an important role in setting the stage for later success. So that's something we're kind of excited about. In a different project, this time in partnership with researchers in China, Trayman has also looked at the earliest stages of writing. Now, young children spend a lot of time playing with paper, pencils, and crayons, but do the marks they make have any relationship with writing? A lot of times, if you ask a young child, you know, give them a paper, ask them to write something, or ask them to draw something, they'll produce what looks like a scribble. At first glance, the scribbles that they say are writing and the scribbles that they say are drawing look the same. Neither one of them looks like, you know, what it's supposed to be. But sometimes, there's more in a scribble than first meets the eye. 
Then we start looking at the characteristics of these scribbles, and interestingly, even with two-year-olds, we find some differences between the two. So the scribbles that kids make when they're writing, for example, tend to be smaller than the ones that they make when they're drawing. The scribbles that they make when they are writing, uh, in Chinese, you know, characters are pretty square, and so their scribbles tend to be sort of more square in shape. That's something very early that is like a first step in learning to read and write. Some of this early understanding comes from a child's environment. Especially in places like the U.S. and China, children are surrounded by writing. You can't really escape written language. Children also learn about the differences between writing and drawing from their caretakers. This takes us back to the home literacy environment we were talking about earlier. So when parents are talking with kids about writing, they tend to stress that it's sequential, you know, you put one letter after another. When they're talking about drawing, they tend more to focus on, oh, this is really beautiful, you made a nice picture, a pretty picture. When they're talking about writing, they don't talk about the letters as being beautiful or red or green or colorful. They talk about the shapes of the letters, the sequence of the letters. So again, from an early age, we see parents kind of drawing kids' attention to the critical differences between writing and drawing. The experiment we just heard about included children learning how to write in Chinese. And this sort of international collaboration is not unusual. When learning to read and write, children from different language backgrounds go through a similar process, and they encounter similar difficulties. For another example of research that crosses borders, we now turn to South America. There's a very influential theory of literacy development. Uh, it was first proposed and tested with children in Mexico, Brazil. Um, it's been quite influential in those countries and in the U.S. to some extent as well. And the idea behind this theory is that at first children take letters to represent entire syllables. According to this theory, young children, if asked to write a word like butterfly, would write three letters, one to represent each syllable. This idea had some intuitive appeal, but according to Trayman, it wasn't really backed up by solid research. The evidence for this theory was really pretty weak. A lot of it was more anecdotal and not really based on quantitative research. And so our research group and some other research groups, too, have recently been looking at this. Well, is there really good evidence that children do, at a young age, spell uh, syllabically? Do they really use one letter for each syllable in a word? If you ask children to spell words, there are bound to be some misspellings that contain the same number of letters as syllables. So one of the questions the researchers asked is, do enough kids make this type of mistake to make it be more than just chance? Uh, surprisingly, in light of how influential this theory is, we and others are not finding very good evidence for it. Our results are shedding some doubt on this, this theory. Knowing how children begin to think about writing and language, even before they get to school, can be hugely helpful for the educators who then help children become proficient readers and writers. Whether in Brazil, the U.S., China, or anywhere else in the world, mastering written language can be a difficult task, and research like Trayman's provides useful tools. One goal is to sort of improve our understanding sort of at a theoretical level. But a broader goal is to really improve teaching and learning. 
many teachers, unfortunately, don't have the opportunity to really learn a lot about writing systems and how they work, don't have the opportunity to learn about sounds and how they work. And so we think that um, teaching teachers can really help a lot in teaching students. For a specific example, we'll close out today's podcast with a teaching lesson using a word that many children know and love, truck. When you ask a six-year-old child, for example, to spell a word like truck, a lot of times they'll spell it uh, something like C-H-R-U-K. So they write a C-H at the beginning. Now, if you're a teacher and you really haven't thought too much about sounds and how they really how they really work, you might look at that and say, oh, the child didn't hear that word very well. I need to go back and, you know, tell that child, well, listen carefully. Don't you hear a t-truck, t but in fact, the way that many people pronounce that word, it really does have a ch sound, truck. So if, you have a, if you're teaching a child in this spell truck with C-H-R, you should say, great, you really listen carefully. But we do spell that with a T. Can't you hear it sort of like a T too? So acknowledge what the child did right. They really did listen carefully. But acknowledge that in this case, the conventional spelling is a T. Teachers, everybody else, were so conditioned to think about sounds based on how they're spelled. So a teacher needs to be able to put themselves in the place of a child who doesn't know the spelling yet. And that takes some practice. So we're hoping that this kind of work can really get its way into education, get its way into teacher training, and I think that will do a lot to improve uh, children's learning. Many thanks to Dr. Becky Trayman for contributing to Hold That Thought. You can find a link to her faculty profile, as well as many more ideas to explore on our website. You can also search for Hold That Thought on Facebook and Twitter, or subscribe to our weekly podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.